Greetings, Pan Flute fans, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of How I Got Tinnitus. I'm your host, JD, and yeah, today we are talking to Glenn Schweitzer, the author of Rewiring Tinnitus and also Mind Over Meniere's. If you haven't heard me talk about Glenn on the show before, big fan of his book, big fan of his work, glad that he's out there doing it. And I'm also super glad that he took the time to talk with us on the show. Um, yeah, meditation, very instrumental in my turning the ship around as far as my whole tinnitus anxiety thing is concerned. Hey, I just want to make it clear to everyone, if you're new here, welcome. So happy to have you. But just a gentle reminder the show is not a substitute for medical advice. We don't have the cure for tinnitus locked in this episode. Just some people talking about tinnitus. Me, a student, trying to learn how I can help tinnitus patients out there in the world. And Glenn Schweitzer, who has some, some nice things to say. So let's hear what he has to say. Well, hey, Glenn, how's it going? It's going good. It's good to be here with you, JD. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I am super stoked. I I, uh, I pulled my copy of Rewiring Tinnitus off my bedside table where it's lived ever since Very I got nice. it. It's funny. I intentionally placed it in such a way I sleep on my side and I look at my bedside table. So the last <laughs> thing I saw before I went to sleep almost every night for the past three years <laughs> has been rewiring tinnitus. Like I I'm not joking. So, well, that's, I, I, hopefully that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a good thing. Um, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and, and, and like tell sure. a bit of your story. I know you've told it before and you tell it really well in your book, but I, I did just want to say that a big reason I'm excited to just talk to you and uh, explore my own fascination with your work is that I like I imagine a lot of people who find your book was in a rough place and I was sure. willing to try anything and there's a lot of options not many of them very good uh, for addressing problematic tinnitus out there and yeah when I when I found your book I was like you know, this seems pretty straightforward and and sort of easy for me to wrap my mind around the concepts in the book. But at the same time, it is so clear and concise and straight to the point. And uh, for me, it was it was a very powerful tool that helped me overcome the, the problems I was having with my tinnitus. So I, I just want to extend my oh, that's great. Yeah, sincere appreciation for your work. Um, oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the the kind words. Well, I'm glad it's had uh, such a profound effect on you. Um, yeah, I, I that, that's I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, it's funny when I, well, I didn't set out to initially when I started getting into just helping people with just chronic illness more generally. I tended this like was the furthest thing from my mind. So I don't, I don't, the, the genesis of all this stuff, just to kind of give a little bit, bit of background. Um, I, my first book was actually a book called mind over Meniere. So my tinnitus, as you probably remember from reading the book was, was made very bad by this condition, Meniere's disease. I've had tinnitus for as long as I can remember. Like I was, I was thinking about this the other day, like even, even when I was very young like i would hear something in silence i always thought it was it was normal it would get very loud anytime i would go to like i would i would have what i now would call spikes like anytime i would go to any kind of party or concert at, you know at, to varying intensities i would like that feeling of temporary hearing loss like anytime i was in a loud i, I had just i guess sensitive ears although i didn't know it i didn't know that at the time um and it would always make my my tinnitus flare up my hearing would get muffled and distorted but it would always go away it was never like something i was overly worried about even if it messed up my sleep for a night or two but then meniere's disease um made it a lot worse uh and in the, in the beginning 
when I was first diagnosed or, or in the months leading up to my diagnosis, when I, when I just was suffering and I didn't know why my tinnitus had gotten very loud, but it was the least of my concerns because Meniere's disease at that time, at least uh, Meniere's disease has, is characterized by having like these really intense episodes of these like primary symptoms of like, so rotational vertigo, these vertigo attacks where the room is just starting to spin. And then often there's a lot of dizziness and, um, disequilibrium that's more chronic that can go along with that um fluctuating fullness and, and pressure in the ears uh fluctuating and progressive hearing loss and then tinnitus loud tinnitus sort of the, the the four primary symptoms like some grouping of those um and i was having all these symptoms but the the vertigo and and then also there's some secondary symptoms like brain fog and fatigue and that like all of this other stuff that was so terrifying that was going on with my health at the time, even though like in hindsight, the tinnitus was super loud at that time, it was the, it wasn't the thing I was worried about. Like I, you know, I'm having this like crazy attacks and episodes and um, it wasn't until I, I got a handle on my other symptoms uh, and, and started to figure out ways to like better cope and improve my sleep and, you know, just started, started in managing my symptoms, my other symptoms well, but then the, the tinnitus wasn't changing and that sort of became the, grabbed the focus in this sort of obsessive way and started to really bother me. And, um, but I had figured out along the way, this, this meditation technique, like I had long been a meditator and, and we can certainly get into this in more detail if, if you want to. Uh, but, uh, I had long been a meditator and I just suddenly couldn't meditate anymore. Like the tinnitus was so loud. I would sit down, I would try to focus on the, the breath and it would just, my ears are just screaming at me and I just, it was just making me feel worse and more anxious. And I was losing this like incredibly valuable coping skill at a time where I was at my, you know, felt like I was at my lowest. And then just one day I had this thought to to focus on it. And I didn't, at the time I, I didn't know, I didn't know the word habituation. I, it, it wasn't until many years later that I actually understood what happened to me. I just knew that I had discovered these, you know, instead of focusing on my breath, when I meditated, I started focusing on my tinnitus and I started feeling better about my tinnitus. Um, and that that was like one page or two pages in this first book. And then I got so much email from people all over the world about that, <laughs> those two pages and the short blog article that I put out that I realized the universe was giving me a sign. And I went back to the drawing board and and it was really like almost like an investigative journalist look at like what happened to me how did I get better? What changed? Like, just, you know, starting with this, the neurophysiological model of tinnitus and just starting to put the pieces together, realizing that like what I did was going to be probably very challenging for people, especially if they had never meditated before and trying to come up with like tools and strategies to, to kind of make it, make it easier. And rewiring tinnitus was born from there. I had no idea that, you know, here I am seven, seven, I think eight years later, and it's become a full-time career of, of helping people to habituate and and find relief from their tinnitus all over the world but uh, i didn't i didn't set out on to to do to do such a thing it just sort of all came together in this weird organic way um <laughs> but here we are now wow that's that's awesome i i didn't realize it i guess i just felt like it it's been around for longer or something when did you write uh when did mind over Meniere's come out yeah that's a good question so I believe it was like a year or two. So to the copyright is 2015. And wow. then I think rewiring tinnitus was 2016. Uh, so it's, it's, we're, we're, we're closing in on eight years, uh, almost eight years now. Wow. Let me look. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was one year later and that was sort of the, it wasn't, it wasn't a career then, but, but now just since then I, I, it, it was, it's funny, like almost as an afterthought, I thought, you know, people may want to work with me. Let me just like put a little thing in the back of the book. Like, Hey, you know, if you want to work with me, click here. Uh, and I put up a little landing page. I had nothing planned. I had no concept of how I could work with people or what that would look like, but just that people may want that. And then all of a sudden I started, I started getting like applications sent in from that form. And, and it, it, it kind of, it came together quickly. And, and, and now here we are, it's been like hundreds and hundreds of people later. I think I'm near, nearly a thousand people now over the wow. last seven, seven years. Yeah, I imagine because uh, Meniere's doesn't seem to get that much press considering how yeah. devastating it can be for those living with it. So for yeah. your, you know, both of your books kind of stand out like a beacon when you go searching for tinnitus literature. In my case, I'm sure those looking for Meniere's relief um, 
you're and so you were kind of ahead of the curve because uh, nowadays yeah, a, seems, certainly a little bit yeah 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 i mean i know there was do you know about the origins of Meniere's? Like where, how it was identified and, and named? Do you know anything? Yeah, it was, na- it was named after a guy named Prosper Meniere. Uh, oof, it's been a while since I've thought not about this. To quiz it's you. not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not rem- remembering all the history uh, currently, but my, so, so my, my current feeling, and there's certainly some evidence to suggest this to be the case is that, it seems like it's really more of like a basket diagnosis. So it's an idiopathic condition, meaning they don't know what causes it or why it happens. Um, and I, I think what ultimately we're going to find is that it's not one condition. It's like a grouping of very similar conditions, like with diff- you know very similar overlapping set of symptoms, but completely different underlying causes. I mean, it would certainly explain why there's no one treatment that works for everybody right. um, and why everyone has such a different why there are so va- such varying experiences of Meniere's and of the symptoms. I think like, um, you know, it's in, there's research to suggest that in some cases there's like an autoimmune related piece or, or underlying cause. In some cases there's, it seems like in 10 or 11 or 12, I can't remember the exact number, uh, but percent of cases there's like a hereditary genetic component. Uh, there seems to be an allergy related cause in some cases. Um, and then there's like, there's a lot of misdiagnosis too. Like, so for example, there's other vestibular, like inner ear disorders that can cause these kind of symptoms that like it could, you know, that you could have that and not Meniere's, but mm. Meniere's is sort of where it went, it's like, all right, well, we, we've ruled out everything we think it could be, you know, it's Meniere's is sort of like the way it's approached, broadly speaking. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a strange it's definitely a strange condition. Um, but I managed personally, I've managed really well, um, over the years. Like I, I'm in probably the best period I've had lately. I, I wouldn't say I'm in remission per se, because I'll still get various symptoms at times. Like I'll have flare ups, small flare ups, but I haven't had a vertigo attack in a, in a very long time. And I can, I'm at a point now where I can eat pretty much anything like I, I'm, I, I have the least amount of limitations mm-hmm. on my quality of life from in years that I've had, like, since it started, maybe that's the best way to just kind of describe what I'm going through now. Um, yeah. It's interesting yeah. all these triggers that, um, that, as you know, even in the tinnitus realm, tinnitus realm, I, I tend to use them interchangeably. Um, yeah, we're still working on identifying. I know you you shared this anecdote in rewiring tinnitus about uh, some checks mix that that sent you over the edge, and uh, it's just yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's wild how how we're all just trying to piece this together. So you know, I really appreciate the 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 community that I've been able to link into through this podcast and and of course just like tuning into like all the the great works that are being done by folks like yourself so it's it's really neat um i don't know i i get real emotional about this stuff again uh when i found your book i i i actually think my girlfriend bought it for me because she was like he he needs some he needs something to hold on to sure and uh it was it was the dead of a cold bleak new england winter and i started reading it and i had already been kind of dancing with the idea that i needed to do some meditation for plenty of other reasons and when i read this book i thought like oh man i i already feel like i'm not good at meditating to begin with how am i going to do it and focus on my tinnitus yeah. i actually have... it's a confusing prospect right it's hard it's hard to like when i i feel i feel like when i when i describe it to people like it, it, i sound crazy it's like what like focus on the thing that's been the source of all of my pain and frustration it's like it's so counterintuitive right it flies in the face of like everything that your your nervous system and brain and body is like telling you not to do right um but problems get worse when we avoid them right like yeah. that's true of every kind of problem it's true of emotional problems it's true of psycho- psychological problems physiological problems and tinnitus is all of those things right like we think it will be different because it's it's a sound but and we can easily ignore other sounds and it's it's like the way the way our nervous system can become so wrapped up around a sound like it's hard it's hard for people to, to wrap their head around it like but 
but there is hope here, right? And I think like that's that's been you, you know my message since day one with both Miniere's and Tinnitus. And there there were a few people out there writing some good books like I, I, it, with both Miniere's and Tinnitus when I when I got into it. There's a lot more now. There's a lot more people doing good work, especially with Tinnitus. Uh, than there was at the time, like when I first started rewiring tinnitus and started writing about it like seven or eight years ago, there's a lot more people doing really good work now. But um, yeah, it all just it's it's all just feels so hopeless, right? Like you're, you're you go online people, when you when you overcome a health problem, when most people overcome any health problem in their life, however difficult it was, they don't go online and write about it, right? Like they don't talk about it. They don't share their experiences, right? And so like you get this heavy bias everything online is negative and as bad as it is for tinnitus it's a thousand times worse it's all the same problems but much much to a greater degree with Meniere's it's like with Meniere's I remember reading like a study early on when I was at my lowest point that was talking about compare it was like a qual it was a some sort of study where they were doing a like a subjective quality of life analysis and they they said that people in late stage Meniere's like subjectively were reporting their like the, the the scores of quality of life were were much worse than terminal cancer patients like weeks from death and like this mm. is the sort of ideas and, and like information like fed in being fed into my brain that I'm finding at a time where like I just feel like my life is over right like I'll never be happy again I'll be disabled um and then tinnitus you get the same sort of thing right it's like the people that haven't that are suffering and haven't figured it out. Like they're the ones writing about it online, but there is, there, there is. And then doctors are also like severely undereducated and underinformed about tinnitus in my experience, like broadly speaking, there's some good doctors of course, but, but most of, so I've worked with, like I said, nearly a thousand people. I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Like I, I've yet to find anyone that doesn't at least have one story of like a doctor so anywhere in the world that just said something completely unhelpful like oh it's tinnitus you just have to live with it or oh yeah <laughs> um nothing i can do to help you i had someone tell me just the other day they have like multiple they have a type of tinnitus with like multiple fluctuating sounds and their doctor said you have five you have five tinnitus sounds okay you should try to be grateful like some people have 10 sounds it's like what what a thing to say to a person you know like it's just so crazy yeah. Um, but but there is hope that that's that's sort of that's that's the bottom line here. Yeah, that's actually a a, a bit of a refrain in in rewiring tinnitus. And as as funny as it sounds, it it really like seared itself in my memory. And uh, you know, as with a lot of the things that I found helpful in my whole journey with tinnitus, sometimes when I first approached them, they didn't exactly click. It didn't. It wasn't like. Sure. That, and that's the thing. I think we're so used to with healthcare and medicine, you know, symptoms take pill, you know, bad thing go away. That's what doctors are used to as well. That's yeah, the problem, yeah. right? Like, it's, yeah. it's, there's no, there's no pill or treatment, right? Anytime yeah. it's, anytime, anytime it's requires like a multidisciplinary approach and, you know, different types of specialists coordinating. Um, and there's uh, like an emotional and psychological component like that. That's uncomfortable for, yeah. for a lot of doctors. Right. And even, right. It's funny. I just I was just doing a whole video about this. That I'm gonna be putting up in a minute. But um, even when like like audiologists are allowed to do counseling, like this is falls within the purview of like what they're capable and can offer, capable of doing and, and can offer to their patients. But even if they're willing to do it and able to do it, and they're comfortable, like you know, delving into the emotional and psychological waters like in almost every case at least in the u.s like they they really can't get reimbursed easily or very much for that kind of service so they just don't do it right so it's just like the whole system is set up against tinnitus sufferers it's it's a real it's a real shame and because it, it's it affects so many people right like it's not Meniere's affects one out of 500 people like the slice of the pie that of tinnitus that Meniere's disease makes up is, is like a tiny sliver tinnitus is affecting like 10 to 15 percent of the general population and 40 percent of that of those people like are, are experiencing it in a bothersome problematic way that's you know just detracting from their quality of life that's hundreds and hundreds of millions of people all over the world and yet like there's not more awareness or, or, or there's not more awareness of even like the treatment options and 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 the paths that ha are available and have been available for a long time. The fact that every audiologist isn't aware of tinnitus retraining therapy and every ENT isn't aware of at least tinnitus retraining therapy, let alone, you know, that th that's been around 30 years now, more than 30 years, I think. So it's the fact that they don't even know that is just, uh, and it's so often is just very upsetting and confusing and, and a problem.
Yeah, it's pretty rough. I, I've talked to some, what I might call sympathetic audiologists, uh, especially sure. here on the show. And yeah, they they have shared with me that it, it speaking from the that side, I guess, if, you know, imagine, with this imaginary boundary, they say it's very difficult to address those things from the, the place that they're standing. So it was actually a conversation early on with a fellow punk enthusiast and a friend of mine who became an audiologist, uh, Tina Campbell, who was on the show. She sure. introduced me to this idea that these separate fields, this term of siloing, that everyone's just kind of separated yeah. from one another. And and that really lit something up in me where I was like, I'm going to make it my goal to try to bridge this gap, not just with the show, but I don't know if you know, I'm I'm going to school. Uh, yeah, I heard you talking about that on, on one of your, your recent shows that you're yeah, trying yeah, to like, so. figure out a way to make an impact in the industry. And I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just joined a lab where we're going to start uh, examining auditory perception and some really neat aspects of how we give our attention to certain uh, acoustic stimuli. So it'll be very interesting. It's fascinating. Well, it's interesting because it's not like there's a lot of closely related conditions to tinnitus that that like all are very have like a lot of similarities and and fundamentally like the suffering comes from this you know what ends up being this you know vicious cycle of fight or flight and overactivation of the nervous system. It's not even just tinnitus, right? Tinnitus is just the most common, but forty percent to fifty percent of tinnitus sufferers experience sound sensitivity uh you know or hyperacusis in in you know in the extreme but there's other ones too like misophonia uh autophony which is where you're you know sometimes it's the result of like a patchless a station too but where you're hearing an echo of your own voice um there's uh there's so many of these like there, uh, there's a whole bunch that are just not popping into my head right now but th there's this whole like grouping of like auditory kind of processing conditions where like the brain just starts to react to various like internal or external sounds with this stress response that just becomes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to me it's, it's so, so i, I love i heard you talking on your re one of your recent episodes that um you're going into psychology i think you said psychology and neuroscience right which i think is probably the move like in in my in my opinion like the the difference between somebody who has tinnitus and 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 does not suffer at all like this never had a problem not even habituated just just it never became problematic and and the, and somebody who has tinnitus and developed this problematic response is that the person who suffers developed what i consider to be like this very ptsd like emotional and psychological mm. response to the sound of their tinnitus and i and i always tell people like we might not be able to figure out or solve the physical side of this problem it, like you know sometimes people can i always encourage everybody to to find like a doctor who knows you know like a good a good medical professional rule out any possible underlying kind of causes of your tinnitus but like even if you can't figure that out and you don't know why your tinnitus started or you know why and there's nothing you can do about it um you can solve the ptsd like emotional and psychological part of the problem a hundred percent. And it's that part of the problem that is the root of all of the suffering that, that people experience. So I think like, take, you know, you have to, at least when you're talking about habituation and trying to help people on that front, like you need to have that psycho psychology element, because I think it's until we, until we solve the problem of tinnitus physiologically, like that's, that's the target is, is a, like an emotional and psychological problem first, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it's, it's an interesting combination. I think your, your head is in the right place. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it all takes me, but you know, just going back to when I first cracked into your book and, and mm -hmm. tried to do some of the, and you really yeah. frame these exercises that are, uh, it's just very helpful, a, a nice scaffolding for someone who doesn't know where to start Sure, and, and get them started. And I would sit in my car, like I said, it was a cold New England winter, and I would sit in my car mm -hmm. during my lunch break, and I would set a timer for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. I think I started at five, and then I tried to work my way up to ten minutes of just deep breathing and closing my eyes and focusing and and tuning in on the tinnitus and at first i was so scared like i was it yeah, seemed like uncharted scary. territory i was like 
am I going to break my mind here? <laughs> uh, uh, which, you know, I honestly was curious enough to, to keep pressing on sure. and um, some very interesting experiences going on inside my noggin there. But uh, yeah, it was, it was somewhere around there where I realized like, it all just started to click and I was like, oh, you know, this sound in and of itself isn't my enemy. It's it's this reaction I have. And being able to identify that, which isn't something that you feel it like can... experientially. It's not just knowing it like logically, yeah, yeah, yeah. feeling it. Yeah, you have to, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like you can't someone can't just tell you that. And and you mentioned the 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 terrible uh, reception that so many of us receive from from folks in yeah. the healthcare industry, which is uh, I've described as like that shitty little wrench that comes with your IKEA furniture. Um, <laughs> it it gets the job done, but when you first lay eyes on it, you're like, I have to assemble this entertainment center with a, a two inch like double sided screwdriver it's funny, a funny image yeah, <laughs> funny, yeah. good analogy uh, although yeah. i i would you know I'm, I'm so i would i would actually go push it even further like i think that the fact so, so when you're when you're like a new patient you know you've developed tinnitus maybe you haven't started googling yet maybe you have but you know you you go to the doctor and you don't really know what it is yet you're hoping the doctor will just tell you how to make it better and make it go away right like you're in this very delicate position, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, you're, you're basically like on this sort of metaphorical fence, like very, like on this razor's edge, right? And on one side of that fence, psychologically speaking, is like a feeling of like hope and empowerment and optimism, right? And on the other side of the fence is like just sort of despair and hopelessness and, and uh, depression and negative thinking. And it's like, the right person who says the right thing can sort of gently set you down on the right side of the fence. And maybe the vicious cycle never emerges. Maybe you never have that full on fear, anxiety, panicked response that like sets that whole chain reaction into motion. Right. Um, but that's not what happens to most people. And it's not like doctors don't mean well when they, when they incorrectly right. say things like right. this, but good, their intentions don't matter because the effect it has, it's like just, it just kicks them head in this video. I'm just being, I said, it, it's like they get kicked face first into the abyss. Right. And that's, it just sets the whole chain reaction into moment into, into motion. Like doctors for better or worse, like words matter so much, like in, in those moments, right? Like there, everybody knows the placebo effect, but what people don't know is that the placebo has an opposite called the nocebo effect, which is the inverse. Like if you think something is going to harm you, if you believe you've taken something that's going to harm you, you're, you're probably going to experience some sort of like negative outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you've just taken like a sugar pill or something. Um, but there's this phrase called medical hexing, which is, is that doctors put the nocebo effect into their words. Like if your doctor says to you what essentially translates to like, there's nothing I can do to help you and there's nothing you can do to help yourself. Like what what would make a person feel more powerless than that, right? And I, I always argue that powerlessness is the root emotion at the bottom mm -hmm. of tinnitus like mm -hmm. i used to think it's anxiety it was anxiety or fear it feels like that but it's not anxiety or fear it's powerlessness like all of the all the anxiety and fear and negative thoughts and depression it all flows outward from this from feeling powerless powerless to find any kind of relief or hope or or even just to, to make sense of the problem right of this weird thing that just seems to be destroying your quality of life um you're never powerless but but like that's the first emotion. And if doctors just stop talking about it like that, even if they didn't know better, like they could stop saying things like that. Like, I feel like you should never tell somebody there's nothing they could do about a health problem because there's just no, even if there's no treatment, that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do to be more healthy or find ways to like, you know, manage yourself a little better, like even in the worst scenarios, right? Um, and I feel like vast quantities of suffering would just be eliminated. Potential suffering would be eliminated overnight with like the wave of a magic wand. If, if I could just somehow convince doctors <laughs> who, who speak like that to stop speaking like that. But I'm, again, I'm speaking very in, in like broad generalities here. There are great audiologists. There are great doctors. There are great, there, there, there's many, but considering the scale of the problem, there is not nearly enough, not even close, like right, order right. of magnitude 
off of what we need. So I like to think that, yeah, not not having any hand in in that sort of uh, mechanism of change, at least not yet. But uh, I I have this this hope that this is all part of this rising tide where where the conversation is going to be slowly changing and hopefully I certainly hope so. Yeah, but it's going to take a lot of awareness. And and like you mentioned, I think, uh, especially the tinnitus community, I mean, I grew up knowing ringing in the ears existed. I didn't know exactly what caused it. I didn't know that once you developed it, at a certain point, it might be pervasive and bothersome. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, with informational TikToks and and all these companies that are trying to profit off of this um this this situation we're facing as uh as a world culture a world community of of yeah noise induced hearing loss and just our a general awareness of health at in at large it, it's going to be a interesting next couple of years as we start to identify these things and ways yeah. that we can address them hopefully before Definitely. the fact and, and not after yeah for sure for sure i'm curious so with so you you tried my when you were trying going back to what you were saying uh, a little earlier about trying you know sitting in the car um oh well, i'm cur- i'm curious of two things one just in the, the the few podcasts i was listening to i didn't hear I, I haven't heard you talk about what your tinnitus is like now how if how if, if you were able to habituate and to, to what extent but i'm curious like how how it went when when you tried the meditation techniques yeah yeah um i'm, I'm, I'm gonna start sounding uh really strange if i if i indulge fully the experience that i had um the first and most profound thing was, uh, you know, meditation can be kind of trippy. It's pretty wild. Uh, it's oh, fun. I, you, yeah. there, so I wanted to point out the one bookmark I have here is um, it's actually a quote that you include in the book from Dan Harris. And oh. it says meditation suffers from a power, from a towering PR problem. Yeah. And uh, which I think is for especially for me was such a huge barrier to my getting into it. I I struggled early on with feeling like I was not good at meditating. But once you get over that um, and and everyone's experience is different, uh, you can really unlock some real cool stuff. So here I was Definitely. thinking that I wasn't doing good at meditating, but reading this book and feeling encouraged, I said, okay, let's just do it. Let's just keep going. And one day I, uh, you know, maybe my third, fourth, fifth, I don't know, maybe my seventh time. It was, it was my lunch break routine uh, sure. at my job there. I'd close my eyes, set the timer and just start trying to find the sound. I mean, it wasn't hard to find the sound, but I noticed this tendency in my mind to to try to run away from it, to try to think, oh, this is going to go away once I find the right Reddit link, once I find the right uh, yeah. uh, Dave Mustaine recommendation for lipoflavonoids, I, it's yeah. all going to go away. Uh, so this is just a temporary holdover until I'm cured. And then... One day, I think I had just explored all the mental rooms that there were related to tinnitus, and I got to the, the a standoff. It was just me and this wall of ringing. And my tinnitus kind of presents itself as something like cicadas or crickets. It's a pretty high-pitched sure. whine. And uh, there it was, almost as if I could, I could see it. Uh, I, I sort of imagined myself as like Gandalf, uh, facing the Balrog in the 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 caves there, and uh, oh, I'm gonna get a little emotional. And uh, yeah, there it was. It was like this huge wall, just this it like huge wall. You visually in a like in a, in, a, in a strange way. What's that? It yeah, was like yeah, a visual it appeared, yeah, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. It's not like I could draw a picture of it, but yeah, there was. There no, I'm with was. you. I'm with you. 
and I I saw it and almost like a strange sci-fi movie like Stargate like I I went and like poked it and saw it kind of ripple and undulate and I can remember it because this is when I was like am I about to make it way worse like am I some space explorer am I Dave in in uh uh 2001 am i just gonna like pass the point of no return and i hit this huge wall of sound watched it ripple and undulate in front of me and the 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 ripples those wavelengths experienced both as uh, a curious psychological phenomenon and this bizarre somewhat excruciating auditory experience just started to vibrate in this way where I was like, whoa, this is heavy. I even opened my eyes for a moment. And I was like, just checking, making sure I wasn't going off the deep end. And then I just closed them again and went back. It was almost as if I passed through and uh, I don't know, like Neo grabbing the first bullet in uh, the Matrix. I was like, whoa. And it just uh, felt different. Yeah, I just felt different. And yeah, at the same time, I I also kind of felt like, holy crap, it's louder now. Like, it's even more there. But uh, that was the very beginning of what ended up being a very, quite a long process. I almost don't want to tell people how long it was because I don't want to scare them off. But it was a long process of just beginning to say, like, okay, you know, and uh, Around that time, I was just starting uh, how I got tinnitus and and dealing with my angst a lot by making these pretty dark and grisly memes and just kind of poking fun at it. But that was definitely when my relationship with it all began to change. And, you know, uh, I guess Gandalf the Grey became Gandalf the White. Not Not to... <laughs> call myself an uh, all-powerful wizard too much but it, it was it no was... i get it i get it i get it completely um that's a really it's a really amazing experience so i, I should i should mention like so i, I stand there's nothing outdated in the book but like i my thinking has evolved a lot since i wrote the book now having worked with so many people like when i wrote the i hadn't worked with anyone when i wrote the, it was just sort of this kind of forensic analysis of my experience and trying to put together what i thought would be most helpful and but but i i have some some things of my thinking has evolved a bit um over over time and there's now like more things that i think are important that aren't in the book that like will will be an event in an eventual uh part two or or maybe i'm, I'm it's i've been slowly trying to work on an online course that's it's just such a big project because there's just so much so i who knows when i'll finish that but um couple couple things what if you ever if you're still meditating just you know or for people out there listening who are you know, we pique their curiosity and, but they're, you know, the idea of like focusing on the tinnitus in a quiet room is just terrifying. Um, so in the book, I described like the basic technique is, you know, just being in a quiet room, five minutes, you know, just, just kind of confronting it. And that, there, there, a lot of people have found that to be helpful, but now I, I come at it a little bit differently. I think the, the, a good way, the, the thing I try to do, especially in my one-on-one work when I'm with my tinnitus coaching is I try to make it as easy as humanly possible to get into the deepest possible state of calm. It's not just confronting it. Like you want to, ideally you want to, you can sort of summarize the meditation approach as a sort of controlled, relaxed exposure therapy, right? Like you're, you're using this mental exercise of meditation, this very simple kind of meditation, which the goal of that kind of meditation is really just to get into as relaxed a state as possible. Right. But, but really it's just a sort of concentration exercise. Um, And you you want my, what I now what I, how I now approach it is I try to make it as easy as humanly possible for for people to get into that state um, because it's the only it's the only scenario I'm aware of where you can hear your tinnitus and feel something that resembles a positive emotional state right like is there's only two natural experiences of tinnitus you're either distracted for a moment and you're not hearing it or thinking about it at all in that moment or you're hearing it and you're feeling some kind of negative emotional response, right? Like if you've habituated via other means or, or naturally, you might hear it and have no, no emotional response, which is great. 
but you're not there's no natural scenario where you're going to notice your tinnitus and feel anything that anybody would consider a positive emotion or emotional state but the meditation approach at its best allows that experience to happen but it's hard it's hard to get to that place especially if you're new to meditation um so just a couple things like if you want to for for anyone out there like instead of doing it in quiet which i i I rarely ever recommend unless people are extremely sound sensitive and you know even then it's there's benefits to using meditation with the sounds that you're sensitive to as a way to desensitize uh the emotional response and desensitize the sound but using background noise like even something that simple just having masking on whatever masking you like just at a level that covers as much of your tinnitus as you comfortably can so that when you go to focus on it while you're meditating you're only kind of exposing yourself to a fraction of its normal volume and intensity and that makes it easier and then also like doing other things to try to relax prior to even sitting down to meditate like the more relaxed you are coming into the meditation, the greater the chance that you'll get kind of deeper into a meditative state, right? So like doing breathing techniques, taking a hot bath, like there's other things you can do to try to relax even deeper. And then also I have this whole like suite of audio tools that, that, I, that I've created. It's, I mentioned in the book, but it's, it's evolved a lot since I wrote the book too, where there's this really fascinating um, audio technology called brainwave entrainment, where, where j- just by hearing so so it's this idea that if you expose the brain to like a very steady rhythmic stimulus the your brain waves start to synchronize with the frequency of the the pulsing stimulus um that's the simplest way to there's a lot there's science here and, and i could go into a, a lot deeper explanation but the the, the end result is a really powerful mind altering audio experience where you just listen to audio embedded with brainwave entrainment of, of various forms and it can cause you to feel like really sedated and relaxed. So I've created, for example, like guided meditations with brainwave entrainment in the background to kind of boost you into a calmer state automatically uh, with background noise also. But th- there's a lot of things you can do to make this experience easier. For anyone out there listening who's thinking like, oh God, like going into quiet and trying to focus on the tinnitus, like it seems it seems such a cr- like a crazy thing. Like there, there are all kinds of things you can do to make this accessible and easier and I, I mentioned these some of these in the book, but I I didn't I didn't emphasize them nearly as much as I should have, knowing knowing everything that that I know now. Also, just just maybe we should just pause for a minute and kind of explain a little bit more about the meditation technique and the and the basic idea there uh, for anyone that's curious and trying something like this to to help themselves. Um, the the type of meditation that this is 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 you could call it like object oriented meditation or concentration meditation. And traditionally that would look like focusing on the breath or a mantra or a part of the body. And it's not about keeping, and that's all you're just sort of concentrating on that one point of focus. Right. And it's not about keeping a laser focused mind where you don't think any thoughts that's impossible. Even for very advanced meditators, thoughts are this strange energy that just comes and goes. It's hard to concentrate on something boring like the breath. Right. Um, and, and so what you're trying to get better at here is not, you, what you're trying to get better at is noticing when you become distracted from concentrating on the breath or the mantra. And now suddenly you're thinking about that appointment you have or that thing you said to your spouse or that you know thing that's coming up that you're not looking forward to. To get better at noticing when you become distracted, coming back to whatever it was that you were focusing on and then beginning again, like catching the distraction and beginning again. Dan Harris, he describes it as like, you know, who I love a lot, uh, who you mentioned his quote before, he describes it like one bicep curl for the brain. Like that's mm-hmm. like one repetition of the mental exercise. And and I really, I like Dan's sort of take on the, this. He, he has a phenomenal book for anyone interested called 10% Happier, A Guide to Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, which was really influential uh, on me. And his whole thing is that meditation is exercise for the brain. It doesn't need to be something deeper or spiritual. It's, just, it's, it's exercise for the brain. It's a training for the brain that can provide all kinds of really amazing like psychological and emotional benefits um this is not mindfulness meditation i think what the the sort of thing we're talking about here i i think mindfulness to me mindfulness meditation absolutely can help people to habituate i think there is a path there i know there is a path there it's helped a lot of people in my opinion it's not the most direct path i often recommend mindfulness as the thing to switch to after you've reached a certain level of habituation with my meditation techniques um, as the best like kind of continuing practice where you don't have to have this like dedicated tinnitus reminder and memory and focus each day um 
but but so so this coming back to what we're saying so so this it's a very simple kind of meditation and when you get good at this kind of meditation like if you're able to truly focus on the breath or a mantra and you're not just lost in thought the whole time without even realizing that you're thinking which is what happens to people when they try this they feel like they're concentrating but really they're just lost in thought 90% of the time um, when you get good at it, you start to get into states of calm and relaxation. And it's sort of for a simple reason. Like you're, if you're not thinking about all these other things in your life, your nervous system can just sort of fully relax in this environment that you can create with meditation. Um, but in, in, in the case of my work, it's instead of focusing on the breath or a mantra, there's nothing magical or special about the breath or a mantra by focusing on the sound of your tinnitus instead, but still achieving the meditative state of calm and relaxation as a direct result of doing so, it gives your brain and nervous system this, this entirely new emotionally positive experience to start to associate with the sound of the tinnitus. Now it's not to be very clear, like this is not an every day is magically better than the day before. No mm -hmm. habituation mm -hmm. process is linear. Um, it's very much like a zigzag, you know, three steps forward, two steps back over and over again. Um, but I, I, I may, you know, you were, you were saying it took, it took a long time for you. I have found in my own just practice that the most, like on average, I'm working with people for about three to three and a half months. And it, like, my goal is to get people to the point, not, you don't need to get to what, what I've achieved with habituation. I, I can, I am fully habituated to the, like completely. I, I mean, my tinnitus is still very loud. Um, it, I mean, I've been sick off and on for the last couple of weeks. I, the other day, I, my fire alarm went off randomly in the middle of the night oh, and I had man. to like go up and like, yeah, like I, so like I get all kinds of crazy spikes, but even I'm at the point now where I can have a bad spike, you know, when I'm sick or something, it's three, four or five times louder and I, it's, I'm fine. Like, I don't really need to do anything to cope. Maybe there was one night I think I meditated my, myself to sleep. Um, but but backing up, so so with the meditation approach, like because so the reason I think I'm I'm able to get such faster results with people, and, and again, what I was saying is like I, I try to get people. My goal is in while I'm working with people to get them to the point of the habituation process where they feel like they got their life back, and that usually happens in the sixty to eighty percent range. You don't need to fully habituate all the way to what I've achieved to feel like you're happy and comfortable again. Like you start to notice changes the whole time because again, it's this one long continuum this one long progression of like unfolding changes um but the reason i think that people have a good experience with the meditation approach and are able to make much faster process progress is when that when you're dealing with neuroplasticity i feel like there's something very powerful about this positive reinforcement kind of mechanism that's at play here like we're not just trying to decrease all of the negative conditioning and all the negative, you know, emotional patterns and behavioral patterns and thought patterns and all the sort of patterns of suffering that are preventing habituation from happening naturally, right? Like it's doing that directly, but, but this, this addition of this positive reinforcement, like having some sort of exp like relaxed exposure therapy, like there, it, it, it seems that it seems to really be effective for, for, for a lot of people. And, and interestingly, it seems to work for all these other kind of closely related auditory stress processing kind of things we were talking about before like sound sensitivity and like misophonia and like uh autophony and all the uh reactive tinnitus and all these sort of things um but i encourage everybody to to give it a try like uh i make my book free on amazon uh periodically so like always always take be on the lookout it might be free um but you don't need to even buy my book to try this approach that we're, we're talking about here anybody can just try to meditate um, and, it, and again, it takes time and having other, you know, when you're, when you're not meditating, you want to learn as much as you can to as many techniques and tools as you can to like calm the nervous system, relax the body and mind. Like, you know, in the work I do with my patients, it's like, or with my clients, I should say, it's a lot of like breathing techniques and mind body techniques and cognitive behavioral techniques. But um, yeah, like this is, this is accessible to everybody. And I, I encourage everybody to, to try this. Um, you, you, you had said, uh, JD, that your tinnitus was a little louder that first time. I'm guessing it didn't, it, it calmed back down. It was just sort of like a little bit of a, yeah. a fear response. And and did you get to the point where it ever felt like when I, when I meditate, if my, if I'm having a spike and it's seeming like overwhelming and I meditate, I, it always ends up feeling less intrusive and intense. It's maybe a better word than volume, like, than, right, right. In my opinion. Yeah. But, um, generally speaking, like my, 
my tinnitus is always loud, but it doesn't feel loud. The vast majority of the time that I'm just operating in the world habituated, I'm just not noticing it or hearing it at all, really. Sometimes people sit down to meditate and like, so, so there's more to volume than it seems. Like, and this is something I talk about a lot. Like there, there is objective, like actual volume. And then there's like perceived subjective volume and intensity, right? And the actual volume can move. Like people can have spikes. People have like, you You can have tinnitus actually get louder, right? But the perceived subjective volume can swing wildly based on so many different factors. And, and just the more activated your nervous system is, the more grabbing of your attention it is, the more intense and intrusive it's going to seem. But like, you know, you can go from having... You're, you're having a moment with tinnitus where you're having a really strong anxiety response and emotional response. And then it seems like all encompassing, just unbelievably just piercing and intrusive and invasive. But then you can have an experience where you fully relax, whether that's with meditation or anything else. Um, and all of a sudden it, it seems less loud. And it's mm -hmm. not that it actually got quieter. It's just like the perception changed, right? And and perception is like a why it's 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 so interesting to consider because like even like everybody has moments of distraction even if it's like really absolutely you know just nightmarish levels of tinnitus like I always push back when people say they're you know it's twenty four seven it's not actually you're not actually no one is actually hearing it twenty four seven you know every second of every day it feels like that because of this problem called negative memory bias where which basically says like you're only thinking about it when it's bothering you and has your attention. And when you're momentarily distracted, you're not thinking about it. And that doesn't leave any kind of imprint in your mind, right? So it just, it feels all encompassing because all the times that you're aware of it and thinking about it, it's bothering you, right? Yeah, so it, even it, it can feel, even if it feels very loud, that doesn't mean it's going to feel that way forever. And even if like, you know, sometimes actual volume can change, but even if it doesn't, in my experience, as people habituate, the per the subjective perceived volume can change a lot as time goes on, and that's it, like, and that's certainly been the case for me. Like my tinnitus is as loud as it's always been. Uh, it didn't actually come down, but I'm not noticing it the vast majority of the time. And when I do, like because it's not triggering any sort of emotional or physiological response, the most of the time, like it doesn't it doesn't feel as loud as it used to, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I, I just want to say, I just want to, I always like saying that, like, even if pe people, people's biggest fear is that their tinnitus might be too loud to habituate to. Mm -hmm. uh, I just did a video about this. And and, and, I, and I get why everybody thinks that, right? Like it feels when you're, when you're having this really piercing, incredibly loud sound, it's like, how could I ever possibly not hear this right mm -hmm. but i have in, in just the years of doing this and working with people all over the world like universally like as people habituate and it you, you're kind of pushing it back through the layers of their attention slowly decreasing the emotional reactivity and response like it just seems a lot less intense intense mm -hmm. is probably a better word right so just i hope that's like a hopeful thing for people to hear even if your tinnitus is very loud and it doesn't ever seem to change like your subjective experience of it will change mm -hmm. and, and and should change as as people work to habituate and, and make progress even if you're in like really intense pain which is very similar to tinnitus in a lot of ways like you can become distracted from the pain and stop feeling the pain for a bit right like so so it's it's um yeah 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 my my friend jeff who also has tinnitus um he he gets injured a lot because he lives a, a really fun lifestyle but uh he he always talks about new pain and i always think of the scene in the movie major pain starring damon wayans i don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever seen it uh, maybe the maybe a raunchy long time ago. mid 90s comedy there's a scene sure, yeah. where uh a fallen soldier has been gravely injured and he's like oh my my stomach i got shot in the stomach or something he's screaming in pain and major pain says give me your hand and the guy takes his hand and he's holding it and then he just bends his hand backwards <laughs> and the guy starts screaming he's like oh it's your stomach That's hilarious. uh <laughs> Or, there's a, that makes me think of, there was an remember that show house with the, the oh yeah the, like yeah. The, yeah like so he's this you know brilliant diagnostician who's addicted to opiates and uh he's like proving that he can like stop taking them and he's in like full-blown opiate withdrawal 
and he's miserable and he breaks his hand with a hammer because like this sort of the pain gating mechanism it's like now his hand hurts but he doesn't feel sick anymore uh-huh. <laughs> similar similar kind of thing and it, what you see with tinnitus what i often see with tinnitus patients is people will be they'll be working with someone and like they'll have to have a surgery or they'll get injured sometimes like that makes the tinnitus go through the roof like when you just get a major physiological stress like that but a, a lot of times the opposite happens where like suddenly you're so worried about this other thing that you like the tinnitus takes a full back seat and mm-hmm. it's like almost like a temporary immediate habituation until the you know they recover from the surgery and there's not pain anymore and the tinnitus like jumps back to the to the forefront it's almost like the brain can almost can only have one crisis at a time or, or something right, right? Yeah. like it's how much attention a problem in your life is occupying just learning about that in class we only have um we have reserves of of our attention attentional totally. reserves i believe the term is called totally. um but yeah. that's this chapter so um yeah wow glenn i i really appreciate that this articulation i think is just it, it's so neat a, a big reason i wanted to talk to you here on the show was sort of give you a chance i i just felt like there was a part two in the works there is some supplementals and i i, I kind of just wanted to check in and see yeah. how the rewiring tinnitus world is going um yeah. i appreciate and, that and I, I i wanted to also add i uh just getting ready for this interview i i did some rereading of the book and there was so much that because i read it at such an early stage in my whole tinnitus career journey, whatever, uh, that a lot of it went over my head, but I was actually pretty impressed. You do a really good job of representing the research. Uh, a lot of the data, the the way that you uh, put a lot of this information out, it's a really succinct, um, just really well-spoken to uh, a lot of the subjects surrounding uh, tinnitus we, we've already touched on a lot that. of the the, th- yeah. the kind of harsh realities that there's like a lot of negative talk and yeah. and so um there's plenty of misinformation out there um i i just really appreciate the work that you put into making this great book it, it, it's really cool. neat so well, i, I, I really and, we, and there's stuff work- we didn't even get to today like like another thing that's like evolved in my coaching practice, which, which needs to be in the book, but isn't is like the, something that very few people are talking about. And we won't have time to get into all of it now, but just say you have a long-term strategy that life happens, that you, you do all this work, you habituate, but like life is going to happen. And eventually something will happen outside of your control that may affect your ears in some way. Right. And, and if you don't sort of have a framework and a plan to manage those moments, like, you end up having what I call, you can end up having what I call like a habituation relapse, which is almost like a, like a sudden, you know, recurrence of, of PTSD being triggered where like all of a sudden it's like, you're, you're, you're not coping well anymore. And it feels like you're starting off. You feel, it feels like you're starting all over, like help helping, like managing those sort of moments has become like a big part of my work too. So definitely there will be a part two at some point. I, I have no idea how I'm going to, when, how or when, uh, I've gotten very busy just working working with people. I think the next thing for me is going to be I'm going to potentially start doing some like group classes instead of just one on one. Maybe some free webinar teachings. Trying to trying to figure it all out. What what's what's the next step? Event there eventually definitely will be some sort of online teaching program. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, JD. Uh, and we should definitely do it again sometime. Man, Glenn, thank you so much. Um, My pleasure. And- any if if folks want to tune in I, i'd love to throw some links in the show notes but sure yeah you, you want to send them anywhere where should yeah they go? absolutely so you you can find all of my work uh, at rewiring if anybody is interested in working with me one-on-one you can find a uh, a coaching application there i do free consultations that are usually like 30 or 40 minutes with with, with everybody who's, who's interested in, in working with me uh and i work with people all over the world it's a very like personalized sort of approach where I'm able to just apply like all of this knowledge. I, I, I've, I've developed so many different techniques and tools, even just since the book's been written and strategies, but I'm also like a collector. I, I sort of try to take as wide of approach as I can. Like if I find anything in any 
therapeutic modality or system that I think might be helpful in some way, like I'll learn it, I'll teach it, right? So I, I really try to take a sort of wide multidisciplinary approach. I'm not a doctor or medical professional myself. I'm the I'm like patient advocate or uh, um, like kind of health tinnitus focused health coach is like really like the the sort of how I how I phrase what I do um, and what I am. Uh, but if anyone's interested in getting some working with me one on one, you can you can apply there. Uh, but I also encourage everyone to check out my book. Um, it was it's often free on Amazon. It was it, Amazon included it. It's I think it might be over now, uh, but they it was just included in the Prime Reading Program, where it's just free for Prime Prime members. Uh, the ebook, um, and you can find like I'm I'm on I'm doing more YouTube videos now. But I I post every everything I do everywhere gets posted on, on the blog at rewiringtinnitus.com. And and also if anyone is interested in connecting. Uh, you can email me at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rewiringtinnitus.com. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's about it for uh, for us. Uh, thanks again. Thanks so much, Glenn. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be here with you, JD. Thanks.